Joy Cho of the blog Oh Joy has been working in the creative design space since 2005 and now runs a lifestyle brand and design studio, including licensed product lines with Target, Band-Aid, CalPAC, and more. Joy also has amassed a following of nearly 13 million Pinterest followers and has twice been named one of Time's most influential people on the internet under 30. Joy shares her wisdom with all of us today that she's gained on leadership and the importance of pivoting in your business, which is top of mind for so many entrepreneurs right now, and some very unique and admirable perspective on taking care of your parents in their older years once you've reached a successful point in your career. Today, you guys, I have a longtime friend of mine with me on the podcast, and her name is Joy Cho, and she is... Truly a joy. Do people say that to you all the time, that your name is just so perfect? You know, I started getting it when I was in school, in elementary school. And so teachers would always put things on my report cards or like my parent notes or something like she's such a joy to teach. And I remember being so annoyed with it when I was little, (laughs) because I also was just annoyed with my name, especially around Christmas time, just seeing it everywhere. Now, Oh my gosh, how funny. But back then I was just like, stop, stop saying these joy puns and like, stop calling me joy to the world. And (laughs) Well, I think it's perfect. And you even named your blog after your name. So your blog name is Oh Joy. (laughs) And you've been blogging for how long now? Almost 15 years. That's incredible. Um, So, and I consider you one of the, I'm sure you get this all the time too, one of the OG bloggers. You kind of were, you know, you set the stage for a lot of people. So what inspired you to start blogging in the first place? Well, in 2005, there was no social media. And so I wouldn't have even known what that was, but I had just left um, New York City where I had um, a couple of great jobs. And I was moving back to Philadelphia, which is where I'm from, because my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was starting a long-term residency. And we were looking to, to start our, li- our life together and not be long distance um, anymore. So it really was out of looking for a new job, trying to get work. I was started to freelance as a designer because I wasn't necessarily getting options for the full-time jobs that I was looking at. And I had to start making money. And while I was freelancing and sort of looking for more design jobs, I started this blog just for fun. And so it was something that was completely accidental, which I know a lot of people say from the early days, but truly that's really what it was because there were no intentions at all but it ended up becoming a marketing tool for my business, which really started as a graphic design studio. I think a lot of people think that like our blog was our business from the beginning, but it really wasn't. I mean, the blog started roughly the same time as what Ojoy the design studio was, but it really started as a companion. And it was something that it wasn't really its full functioning site on its own that made its own money for until several years later, I was doing lots of freelance work, taking a ton of jobs, working with a ton of clients, designing for them and doing design writing. So it really took a few years before the blog itself started becoming something on its own. That's so cool. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that like to dig into how did you, you know, how did you grow? How did you get successful? That's not typically um, what we focus on here. And so I'm sure you've told that story many times. But what I really want to talk to you today about is 
are just some of the really impressive values and things that I feel like you've shared on your platform that have been inspiring to me. And the first one I want to start with is this piece that I read about how you and your husband really feel strongly about taking care of your parents. So tell me the story behind that and where that came from and what your feelings are there. And and let's dive into that. So my my husband and I are both Asian American. Um, he is from Korea. He was born there, but came over when he was very young, when he was one. So he's essentially basically like a first generation. Um, and then my parents are from Thailand and I was born in the States. And so having grown up with an Asian background and with immigrant parents and parents who also both happen to have businesses during some point of their careers. And so we've seen them sort of grow things from nothing. We've always sort of seen just the way that they have raised us. We've seen how hard they work. We see their immigrant mentality in just sort of really appreciating everything that they have and working so hard for their family and putting their family first. And I mean, a lot of people do that. It's not just an immigrant thing, but there's something about the immigrant story that is just so different because literally my parents came to this country with $600. His parents came to this country with $800. And that's such a small amount of money in the context of today that then they were able to sort of start a family grow a family, start businesses, grow businesses, and just be able to be fully functional, um, people just like living, living here and, and, and becoming, you know, Americans. And so we've always grown up with the idea of that someday we would help take care of our parents when we made money. And I don't know, it wasn't really something that I knew as a kid. It's not like your parents tell you from the time you're five, Hey, someday you have to take (laughs) It's not that there's just something and I can't really describe it, but there's something culturally that it's, that it's part of, you don't even think it's anything out of the ordinary. And I remember, you know, there's a time in my life where my parents were, had no money. I mean, they were, uh, working class and just making it paycheck to paycheck. And there were, there were some part of my life where they were doing really well. And we felt like, you know, like that year for Christmas, I got like more presents than usual. And then it fluxes like up and down, up and down it. And so, I mean, both my husband and I have come from places where we've had stages of our lives where we had no money and our parents had no money and we know what that feels like. And so for us, as we became adults with jobs and worked hard to do our best to provide for our family, that does that not only includes our children that we now have, but it also includes our parents who brought us into this world. And so pretty much once my husband, my husband is a physician, so his schooling took a very long time. Um, and during his schooling, I was starting my business. So there was a period of time that I was fully supporting us and, it took a lot, you know, it's a lot for someone starting a business to try to grow a business, but then also to support uh, both people. And so we kind of had to wait until he had a job also. But once he also had a job and we were both working, we knew that was the time that we would start helping to support our parents um, who are now in their early 70s, late 60s. And it's basically the idea that we give our parents money. I mean, we give them money every month. We also pay for certain bills depending on the situation, whether that's car or cell phone or their rent. Um, and there's not 
there's, it's sort of one of those things that sounds so weird when you talk to some of your friends who culture where culturally, that's not a thing. In mm-hmm. many cases, we have friends whose parents give them down payments for the homes or help right. them even through their adulthood. And that's not the way it is for us. And partially because our parents are not necessarily able to do those things, but also we're at a point where we are ready to, you know, give back to them. And it's not easy. I mean, I think the thing is, is that it's not an easy thing to do because to take part of your paycheck that you get and give it away to anybody is a thing, but like, we don't, we don't see it as that. Like, yes, it's a financial sacrifice and it's a sacrifice that we make but it's built into our life now. It's built into our life. It's built into like when we get paid and what amount goes to what accounts and, and all of that. So it's just something that for us is just a way of showing our gratitude to our parents in some way. I mean, we're never going to be able to repay them back for like every, every cent they've spent for us in our entire life. And whether that was college or summer camps or helping with a wedding or whatever that is. It's, and, and it's not trying to do that. It's just trying to help them out now when we can. Yeah, that's such a cool story and so inspiring. And I, I see a little bit of both sides that you're talking about because I actually, so my mom is half Japanese. Mm. Oh, and so, yeah, so I'm a quarter Japanese. So, um, I've been exposed a little bit to that mentality of you take care of, you know, like the, the daughter takes care of the parents. And that's a little bit of, you know, something that I've always heard about in, you know, growing up from having a mom from an Asian culture too. Mm -hmm. But then definitely it's, I feel like it's a little bit of a foreign concept for a lot of people now who are in our age group who are like, I can't even imagine, you know? So I think it's inspiring that you guys are doing something. And so I think it sounds like too, the key to making this work is creating a habit, right? Where it's just something that is predictable and that you're planning on versus like a, something that you have to build up toward. Absolutely. And, you know, we started off you know, my husband and I had a conversation about it once we were both, once we both had um, our jobs with like our normal salaries based Mm -hmm. on what we thought we could do. And we started off at a certain amount and over time we've increased it a little bit, but not significantly, but basically that amount that goes towards um, our joint group of parents, you know, on both sides is just an amount that now automatically comes out of um, like we, we just basically have a date that's set to it. And I know to like, you know, send that money at a certain date and we know what, what account it comes out of and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's almost like any other uh, bill that you would have. It's just sort of becomes a regular part of your budgeting. Yeah. That sounds really smart and sounds like a great way to plan it and budget for it. So were there stories or were there things in your family that inspired you guys that you can think of specifically that you said, we want to do this too. You mean regarding the money part? Or even, yeah, just doing anything to just kind of like honor your parents or help them or, you know, try to give back to them what they've, I mean, did for you. I think a lot of it is, you know, when we were growing up, our parents just worked so hard and they did their thing and they, they did it to support us. And we didn't really know. Like we didn't, I mean, we knew that we were, they were working and when they weren't home, it's because they were working, but we didn't really know so much. And then I think part of it is after becoming parents, you realize 
when you are working and you're away from your kids, it's not because you want to be away from your kids, it's because you're working yeah. to provide for them. So it's partially that us being parents now and understanding that more, but also I think that like if we ever get chances when we talk to our parents now as grownups and they tell us stories about how life was back in Thailand or back in Korea. And a lot of times too, in that generation, they have a lot of siblings, you know, like a lot more than is average these days. And so mm-hmm. just hearing like how food had to be rationed or how they had these tiny apartments and six children sleeping on one bed and in, in this tiny little place, or you hear these things that you didn't realize that your parents ever went through because they're also not super conversational in the same way that I think a lot of my um, American parents are where, you yeah. know, we're not just chatting about life every single day. And so when we actually do get to sit down and have a deeper conversation and they're just telling us about these things, you know, there'll be things that I learned all the time from my parents, even to today that I had no idea. And so like every time I hear one of those stories, you just appreciate them so much more because they did all this. They did all this and sacrificed this on top of all this stuff that they went through that wouldn't even be something that you would imagine would be happening now in current day, especially in America. Totally. So you mentioned to watching your parents work really hard and anyone who has the kind of success that you have has worked really hard for it. And I, I think that's like a common misconception of anyone looking at someone who has like a big online presence, like they must've gotten lucky or they got in early or whatever. But I feel like it's 97, 98% hard work. So um, what did your parents teach you about, would you have any young memories or things that they would teach you growing up that led to your success now? Oh man. I mean, I, um, so my parents had Thai restaurants when I was growing up. So my dad, both my parents got normal jobs. Um, my mom had worked for the four seasons for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And my dad had, had started working in a company, but then he left to start a business and which was a Thai restaurant. And he started with four partners so there was five of them in total because nobody could afford to run this business or invest in this business on their own. So there was five of them who went in, in on it together. And my dad slowly bought out each one, one by one until he was the only owner. And then after that, um, he opened a second and then a third and a fourth. So at one point in their lives, they had four, four restaurants that they were managing. And so I, at the time, did not appreciate that sacrifice at all. I was upset that all of my friends' parents had sort of these nine to five jobs. And after that, their parents were home cooking them mac and cheese, mm-hmm. and hanging out with them, watching TV, and there for them when they did their homework. And I was upset that my parents weren't there. And, my, you know, when you work at a restaurant, even today, those are evening hours. Those are not nine to five hours. And right a lot of weekends and stuff. And my mom had somewhat of a normal schedule, but she would also help my dad in the evening. So there were a lot of evenings that we were, um, you know, we had either a babysitter or we were on our own or whatever, depending on how old we were. But I really, I really did not understand it. And I was, I think I was upset about it for a lot of my older childhood life because I just was sort of not understanding like why they had to do that and why they couldn't be home with us. And then literally. And I always said to myself, I will never start a business because it looks so hard and it looks like <laughs> I had to sacrifice so much. And then here I am 
with a business that's almost 15 years old. And while it's not a restaurant, because that life is very difficult, uh, it's still a life of self-employment and it's still a life of sacrifice in what it means to have a business and start a business and do that instead of having a nine to five job, which is just there. They all have their own pros and cons, but I realize in hindsight, so many years later, how much I learned from watching my parents work so hard and how they literally started something from nothing. I mean, in the day and age now of sort of investors and capital and all this stuff and the way that you see a successful business going, you don't really hear about these mom and pop type things anymore. I mean, they exist obviously, but you just don't hear about how those stories work. And so to me, I always just respected that so much and not that they did everything perfectly, but at the same time, I just appreciate it so much. And so my long answer is really just the idea that I think I picked up on a lot of it but I mm-hmm. just didn't know it at the time and I didn't realize it or appreciate it until much later in my life. Yeah, I think most of us can resonate with that, the sacrifices that our parents made when we were kids. You know, you look at it so much differently as an adult when you're providing for a family and working hard and trying to figure out how, you know, how to just put food on the table in general. So totally. um, I think what you're saying is very true that through that lens, you can definitely see things that just didn't mean as much to you as a kid that probably means so much more as an adult. So, um, okay. I want to talk about, you guys have had, um, a team for quite a while now. And I heard you speak about having a team. And at one point, I, I think maybe it was at alt summit or something, but oh, it was yeah. very inspiring. Last year, and, I think. Yeah. Yes. And you talked about just tips that you have on making good hires. And, and I know that, you know, that's something that, you've had a lot of experience in. So talk to me about um, leadership and what some of the values are that you feel like have helped your business grow and change and um, things that you've learned being a leader. So, you know, I, having never planned to be a boss, Mm -hmm. I really went into it with no idea. I mean, I started my business in 2005 and it was mostly a solo business for a long time. Um, in the early days I had interns and I had some freelancers and it really wasn't until 2013, which was eight years into my business that I, for the first time got an office outside of home or, um, got employees. And not to say that that makes you a legit business. Every business is different, but it was just sort of, I was at a point where I needed it. And we were at a, at a growth point that I needed help to be able to do the things that uh, were sort of about to happen. And so it's, it's sort of this point in which I call Ojoy 2.0, where really my business went to the next level at that point. Um, partially because of what was happening with social media and our growth and some of the jobs that we were getting. And then partially because I sort of took it outside of my home and had a team and started growing a team. And so I really had no idea what I was doing from the very beginning. Um, I really tried to follow my instincts of what I had seen in the past through just like other business owners that I've known, which wasn't necessarily a ton, but whether it's like past employers or, watching what my parents did. Like I tried to take both the things that I saw that were positive and the things that I saw that were negative and just think about how I felt 
um, in any situation or how I would feel in any situation as an employee. And I really, I'm, I'm a pretty empathetic person and maybe to a fault where I really try to put myself in that person's place. And so I think that's mostly how I grew my team. Um, in so many ways, I was very much about creating a very good quality of life for people. You know, I've had jobs when I used to work in New York where I worked until 10, 11 o'clock at night, um, which is really not an ideal situation, but I was young and I had no responsibilities, so it didn't really matter. But by the time I had a team, I had my own children. I was hiring people, some of whom had children or were going to have children. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted Ojoy to be a great place to work. And, you know, and it, it is, I mean, but also when I hired, I was very particular and I really am very strict about if I'm going to hire you, you know, I need to feel like your level of detail is there, your attention level is there. You know, there's little things that I, I talk about. I have this online class about how to grow a dream team. And I talk about things like no typos. Like I will literally not interview you if you had a typo on your email and your resume. And there are things that people, I think, they kind of pass over, especially when you're hiring for a creative job. You just think, oh, well, that's not their job to have to have a perfect, um, perfectly typed, grammatically correct email or a letter. And and for me, there's things like that. I, I don't care. Like, I don't care if that's not your job. But if you want a job with me and you want me to see your attention to detail, you can get somebody to look at your resume and your email and just proof it if that's not your strength. So there's a lot of things, I think, with the areas that I was strict on and really tough on, but then also there are areas that I was like very, I think pretty great about. And I say that just in the sense of, I know that I provided a very great lifestyle for my team and that I gave them a really great work culture. And again, I'm not perfect, but I think that I was very proud of sort of the team that I had built and the people that I had brought in and the, and how it all really came together. Um, and I was so happy to share that, you know, that talk that you said you saw, I was so happy to share those tips because I think a lot of those things are things that are just so different than your typical business books that you read about leadership. Uh, just sort of the way that I went about it. little bit of the wild west when you put together like a team to do something that hasn't necessarily really been done. I mean, backing up to the sort of the beginning of this interview where you said social media wasn't even a thing when you started your blog, like so much of this stuff is just brand new and the roles that people are hiring for. And so when I was talking to someone about Pinterest changing, that you were kind of that poster girl that people talked about, you know, blowing up and then that people were looking to you for, okay, how are you going to pivot your business? Because now Pinterest isn't what it used to be. It's not driving the traffic that it used to drive. What have you seen as far as some of these really significant changes with online businesses and what have you learned from having to pivot? So it's so interesting because when I started my business and even though it was a blog, I had no idea what social media was and there was no Instagram and Twitter started soon after that. And so all the things that I do now and all the parts that are such a, actually a big part of my business, I really would have no, no idea. And so I think that I've pivoted so many times 
within these 15 years. And some are minor mm-hmm. shifts that only I know or my team knows or just internal and some are major shifts that I've shared with people and that it has made public. And I think it's just the idea that I've seen ups and downs and so many changes that I know that they've happened. Like I've already been through ups and downs a couple times before, not only with social media, with the economy, with like with businesses and all of that. And when there was a time when the blog was king and people were reading blogs every single day and your blog traffic was so high. And there are times when the blog traffic is lower and everybody's on Instagram. And there was a time when Pinterest was such a huge site that everybody was going to. And then there's a time when it was a little less visited. So there are ebbs and flows and it, it doesn't always flatten out or go away. It really is an ebb and flow. And so for me, I've learned to just be flexible along the way. And it's not always easy because sometimes you have certain things that are working and they're making money and that's great. And then you sometimes you have things where you realize, you know what, it's not working. And maybe it's not, it's maybe it's not working because of money. It's not earning money or it's because you're not into it or because you're not happy doing it. And any one of those reasons, and especially if it's a combination of those reasons are very important reasons to sort of decide that it's time to pivot. And, you know, give you some examples along the way, pivoting by growing a team is one thing that's sort of like a a growth pivot an expansion pivot. But there's also times when I decided to scale back and change. You know, there was a, a time when with the Ojoy blog, I was sort of handling it in a very um, contributor type way. The blog itself was really growing and people were going to blogs multiple times a day. And so the formula was sort of to get freelancers and contributors to help you so that people could help you write. And so I had up to three blog posts a day at one point, and I had five freelancers who were each working on their own column that they would write in addition to whatever I wrote. And around the time that I had my first daughter in 2011, and I was ready to start sort of talking about more personal things and just talking about being a new mom, Mm -hmm. it felt sort of disconnected for me to talk about life as a mom. And then all of a sudden you had this sort of article from this other person that had nothing to do with that. And and it didn't flow. And it, it felt like my voice was a little bit lost, and a little bit missing. Um, and so at that point, there was a time about a year later that I decided to sort of take the blog back to being all from my, my voice and not have contributors, not have outside freelance contributors. And that was sort of a pivot for me. And then it changed again when I had a physical team and I had people helping me create content in my studio. And we were sort of shifting a little bit more to all original content. And so I had freelance photographers and I also had um, in-house designers and stylists and crafters and my assistant and everything. And it was very important for me to always make sure that people knew that there was multiple people doing different parts of what they saw. It wasn't just me doing everything. Even recently, I mean, this is very, very recent, but I had a team of six people and I recently decided to make a pivot again and simplify, simplify just sort of the way the business was run. Um, and, uh, cut back on the size of my day-to-day team and also cut back on having like this giant, beautiful office that we have and mm-hmm. sort of focus on the parts of Ojoy that were really the bread and butter and also that I enjoy the most. And then sort of from there, hire some of my team and hire freelancers as necessary to be able to help me with that. Because I know I can't do this business alone, at least not the way it is right now, right. but I needed to make a change in the way that it was going because 
um, it was just getting to be very stressful for me to be able to keep up with increasing costs. I mean, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of money to keep growing a team and to be able to just keep everybody happy when you're a small company that is just not funded or you're not um, taking investment from anybody. So. Totally. So, and you've been um, somewhat open about that online too, which I think is so brave because anytime you open up about anything that isn't just like you know, kittens and rainbows, you're opening yourself up to people's opinions. So why have you felt compelled to share these things with people? I think people think that my life is perfect. Mm -hmm. And they think that, I mean, I think if you follow me and you follow my stories and you're really sort of a day to day fan and you know, you know, that's not true. But I think that if you're just kind of checking in from here and there, yes, my feet is colorful. It's happy. It's meant to bring you joy. That's, that's my goal. Like I I'm here to do that. Um, so I'm not trying to tell you every single time I have a bad day or something crappy happens, but I'm also a real person and I love connecting with people. And I think that's the best part about social media is the connection. And yes, we can connect about happy things. We can connect and we can celebrate when we're pregnant, when we're having another baby, when we're getting married, when we have these amazing, huge life moments everybody wants to celebrate in our joy. And even when we're having little moments of like, you know, simple things that our kids did or that, that happened at work or whatever it is. But I also feel like people need to know that we're all going through stuff now, whether that's personal stuff, health stuff, marriage stuff, work stuff, small business stuff. Um, it was important for me to, you know, with the recent shift that I talked about, which is still sort of hard to fully describe just because it's still pretty new. It was important for me to say something, you know, people don't need to know the full story and every single detail because some of it is very private. And I'm also very, um, sensitive to some of my team who, uh, you know, have had to move on because of the changes that I've made and wanting to respect that, you know, they're looking for what's next for them as well. Right. And so, but I also think it's important for people to know that running a business isn't easy. People make sacrifices, no matter how amazing it looks on Instagram and how much you think that everything is going perfectly. There's so many things. And the response that I got when I wrote that and what I, what I shared, what I did share was so overwhelmingly amazing that I had no idea. I mean, it really made me very emotional with which what was already a very emotional time of my life. And mm-hmm. from people who are also small business owners who totally get where I was feeling, but also to people who are employees and who have worked for companies and maybe they have had to maybe they've been affected by shifts happening in the company or whatever it was. Like people were very, uh, very supportive. And I think also it just makes you realize that we're all going through stuff together. It might be different stuff, but we're all going through stuff. Yeah. And change takes courage. Even if you know, it's kind of not working anymore, it's just easier to show up every day and just keep doing the same thing sometimes than it is to like put on your big girl panties and be like, okay, we're, we're going to change things, you know, we're going to shift what we're doing or shake things up. So I personally, my experience from reading what you wrote and what you've shared on stories and stuff has been just inspiring to really take a look at what we're doing and say, like, do I have the courage to do the things that I know 
our best long-term, best for everyone, you know? Yeah. So I was very inspired by it. Um, And I think probably for someone too, who has such a beautiful, happy feed, who has an eye for design, it probably is even a little bit more unexpected, you know, from someone who, like you said, people think your life is perfect because so much of what you do is to inspire joy and happiness and creativity. And so for that matter, I think it takes even more courage to, you know, step outside that box for a minute and show people this is real life too. Thank you. I appreciate you're welcome. Um, I want to ask you a little bit of a happier question. So is there like a dream collaboration or a dream thing that you've been able to do that you look back and you feel really proud of or that has been like a highlight or a bright spot in your career? Oh, joy for Target. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, like that was a big goal of mine. It was sort of on my dream list since before I started my company. Um, because I had worked for Cynthia Rowley, who had a line at Target, was one of the first designer lines at Target. It was called Swell. And I was a designer for that line in the early 2000s. And so I had had an opportunity to design stuff that went in Target, um, not under my name, but as part of a team that helped to make that happen. And just the joy that I found from creating something that went to a real person and just seeing sort of the joy that they got from having it or wearing it or putting it in their home. It really just sparked something in me that made me say like, okay, this is, I want to, I want to have that someday again in my own name. And so, you know, you don't really think when you say that, like you don't know for sure that's going to happen, but you put that out there. And, and so we had a line at Target for three years and it ranged from party supplies and entertaining to kids and baby stuff and home decor and pet items. And it was really just such a great range of products that I had wanted to put out there into the world. And I think it also allowed people to find out about us. I mean, Ojoy was already, was already around for a little while before that came out, but you know, being in target, you get people who didn't know you to, to know you. And so that yeah. was really great. It was really great exposure for us. I think it really helped people to uh, follow along with the other parts of Ojoy because Ojoy has a mix of so many different things. And plus Target's amazing. I mean, they're so great to work with and I'm still great friends with a lot of the people that worked on our projects together. And so I just have all great memories of that of that time. That's so awesome. Well, I remember walking into Target and seeing your line and being so excited for you. And I mean, Target's already a happy place for so many people. So it makes sense that your products would just contribute to that happiness. So that's really fun. That's cool. I remember you sharing that you like brought your daughter and showed her and that that was like a fun moment for you to share with her finding finding your things there. So with some of these collaborations you've done, and you've done some really neat ones, where do you get your inspiration to make things that are beautiful and happy and bring people joy? I feel like I just have to go out and live my life away from my computer is really the Mm -hmm. thing. You know, um, yes, I love to go to museums and like look at stuff and go to other sort of be inspired by other artists and designers and things like that. But really for me, the the best thing is getting away from the day to day because my day to day in some ways is kind of boring because I'm in front of a computer a lot. I'm on phone calls a lot. I send a lot of emails and the logistics of running a business sort of take a lot of your time. And the creation part is such a small part. Yeah. It kind of gets sucked out of. Yeah. I mean, 
And so I think people, well, people don't realize how much of my work and a lot of business owners, creative business owners work is, is a lot of the non-fun stuff. But also for me to just like continue to feel inspired, it's like, I have to be out. I have to be doing things. And whether that's like as easy as taking a lunch break and going like window shopping, just cause it just helps you take you out of away from your office or away from yeah. your or whether that's a farmer's market trip on the weekend with my kids and my family, or whether it's like just going to a great restaurant. Like for me, it doesn't have to be so literal to what I do. It just has to be something that, that invigorates my senses in some way and just makes me feel inspired by, by something. Yeah. I love that. And it is true that so much of the online entrepreneurial work is very unglamorous. So I totally, yeah, I get where you're coming from with that. Um, So tell me about the books that you have coming out and what that's, what that project is all about. We have three children's books coming out this year with Scholastic and I'm so excited about them. They are board books, little seven by sevens with a hardcover and they're geared towards ages zero to three, but really they're also great for older kids that are starting to read as well. But basically they're about qualities that I think are so important for us to instill in children at a young age for them to become amazing adults. And so the first one's about curiosity. Um, The second one is about feelings and like how you deal with feelings. And the third one is about kindness. And so it's all stuff that I think every parent will believe in and want to support and all things that we want to support, but it's also done through the visuals of these super cute animals that, um, Angie, who has been on my team, who did the illustration, she did so well. And so there's a whole crew of these animals that are so cute and colorful and the scenes are so colorful and very, oh joy. And they go through these different obstacles within their lives. And it just sort of talks about how to deal with it and all those different ways. And so I'm super excited about it. I, as a parent, I've always wanted to continue to do more things for kids. You know, we've had kids products out, but this to me, a book is just super meaningful. And it's something that sort of lives on in a household for a really long time, especially when you have multiple children and get, it sort of gets passed on and then donated and moved around and all that stuff. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Books are so timeless. How exciting. And I love those topics too, of kindness and curiosity and feelings. Like those are all super important things to talk to kids about when they're really, really young. And also bless you for making board books. Thank you. Because (laughs) regular books are so hard with little, little kids. So um, I'm excited that that sounds like such an awesome project and I can't wait to get my hands on those two for my little kids. Thank you. Okay. Well, I have one last question for you that I like to ask everyone. Okay. And that question is if there's one message that people remember from all of these great, inspiring things that you've shared with us today, what do you want that one message to be? I think that I want it to be worrying about what other people think and worrying about what people think of you and your decisions or what they'll think if you make this decision. I mean, so many parts of my life have been consumed with what people will think, which sounds so ridiculous in some ways because it sounds like a superficial response, but it's not for me always like, it's not a looks thing. It's not like, well, people like my outfit, like that's Mm -hmm. not really it. I mean, yeah, maybe at some point I worry about that. Maybe when I was younger, now I don't care about that stuff, but even just 
perception. Yeah. Will other business owners think I've made the right decision? Will it appear like I'm successful? Will it appear like I'm good at this or not good at this? And it's just like, it's so, and we all know we shouldn't do it. We all know it's not good for us, but we still do it. And I think Mm -hmm. that when you start to live in a mindset of doing it for your own happiness, then it's just so much better. And my husband has this weird gift of not caring what other people think. And I just have wanted to have that, <laughs> have that transfer to me through our whole uh, time of knowing each other, which has been a very long time now. And I, it has still not fully transferred over, but I'm just waiting for the day because it's, it's not worth it. And so it's a waste of our time and it's not healthy for us emotionally. And we're all so much happier when we just focus on us and our families and our loved ones and care about what they think, not, not strangers and not outside opinions. I so agree with that. And it's funny because I think my husband has a lot of that same gift too. I think men in general, a lot of times just are so much better about being grounded about the perceptions of others versus what you know inside is best for you. So I think you're doing a lot of things right, including, you know, your recent pivot and obviously all the beautiful things that you continue to create. And I've just really enjoyed having this time today to ask you these questions and get to know your intimate story better. So thank you so much, Joy, for sharing all of this with us. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you if they want to continue to follow along with what you're up to? Um, You can find everything we do at ojoy.com that links to our products and our content and our books that are coming out this year. And then on Instagram at ojoy. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.